in our community, we're having some some conversations, some conversations at salons and at at barber shops. You know, barber shop talk, hair 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 shop talk. Uh, these conversations tend to get discussed on topics that are easily debatable. Topics like what's the what's the best pair of tennis shoes ever made? What's the the the, the scariest movie that's ever dropped? What's the uh, the best R and B album that ever came out? Carl Thomas. Um, you know, do you rock your your chacos or your tevas? You know what I'm saying? Like like best spot for some conies. You know, there's there's some debates that happen pretty often in the barbershop. And every four years, we come around to this spot where we start to ask about debate on presidential candidates. We debate them and we say, who are you voting for or who are you voting against? Who, who which, which candidate are you going to celebrate and which candidate are you going to be against? And then there's a, a, a kind of third voice. A voice that's neither one of those two voices, but it's a voice where you hear a person say, and sometimes it's too often I hear a person say, that I'm not voting for either one of them. They don't represent me. They they don't they don't represent my values and, and my life doesn't seem to change no matter who I vote for. And so why should I care? Why should I vote at all? Why even get involved in politics at all? It doesn't change my life or anyone's life around me. Today, I want to encourage you from, from, from the perspective of, of Christian mission. That's right. I want to encourage you from God's word about why you should vote. It's important for us uh, to, to understand these things and to understand how it flows out of our missional posture as Christian believers. And so I invite you to grab your Bibles because we're going to be jumping around a little bit in the scriptures. But I want to start off this sermon with a disclaimer. It is wise for you to vote. It is not a matter of salvation. Said another way, you are saved by grace and grace alone, not by your vote. This sermon will not challenge your love for God nor will we challenge your confidence in your salvation. But we are going to encourage you. I am going to encourage you in your missional posture. You can be Christian and not vote, just to be clear. But there was a little thing that I said that kind of was a nuance that you should vote, not must. Actually, next week, when we have our time, I will be talking about how you, if you vote, how you must vote. What, what does it look like as a Christian to vote? I know I'll be getting some fire from that one too, and I'm getting ready. So be praying for me as your pastor. I've made my fair share of, of, of unwise choices, and I believe that today's sermon will be couched in wisdom. Again, wisdom. So if you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 15 through 17 because we live in a society where things are happening all around us. As believers, we don't get a Christian bubble. We are connected with one another and connected with what we call the world. John the apostle told us, 
in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, that we are about that we should be about the will of God. But while doing so, to remember that we are in the world, but not of the world. Look at these verses. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the Father, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with his desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. This 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 is a common phrase that you've heard before. Being. Uh, in the world, but not of the world, you know, not allowing the value set of the world to creep into your heart, to be aligned with who you are as a person, that we have two different sets of values. And while we are Christian walking a certain walk, there are aspects of, of, of the secular culture that we do not embrace. And this was most clearly, uh, uh, experienced by me in this last year as we were down in the city marching and we're doing saying these chants and these chants are redemptive these chants are building dignity these chants are celebrating people and it's like everybody could brace it can embrace this i was encouraged because my children are able to to say these chants and we're walking and then somebody started chanting some crazy some some wild some oh hold on baby let me cover your ears because see while some of us were protesting others had a a posture a demeanor a value set that was very different than my christian value set and so we are in this world whether you like it or not and things are happening all around us as people and so what makes us different love love is what makes us different we are called to love but love is not just a concept it's not simply a romantic notion or or the google eyes at the movie no love is caring but more love is enjoyment but more love is active love is displayed love is demonstrated look at me uh, in James, look with me in James chapter two, verses fifteen through seventeen, and 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 you see this concept of love and faith are like intertwined deeply. James chapter two, verse fifteen to seventeen, it says, "And fifteen, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one." Uh, of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Our, our, our love is active. It, it, it leads us to move. It, it allows us to, to not simply think good things of you, but for you to experience those good things through our gestures, through our activities, through our actions. 
So, Pastor, where, where, where are you going with this? Because what's this got to do with voting? Well, well, first, our, our posture is one where we live in a world where we are walking to a certain value set, but the world is walking to a separate value set. Our value set is rooted in love and we respond in love, but not just in our minds. We respond with our actions. And so the question is now, what are some of the actions we could take that would demonstrate love to people we love that are Christians, but also to a broken world that has a different value set? Allow me to show you a, a, a couple of, of Christian leaders from the Bible who engaged with the government, but also did so in a way that brought redemption to their community and was a model for other communities. We, we back in uh, 28, 2018, studied the book of Nehemiah. And, and, and I want to pause and just share uh, this book. It's called Compassion and Conviction. Zoom it on up for y'all. Compassion and Conviction by uh, Justin Gibney, Michael Ware, and Chris Butler. Uh, it's the Ann Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement. I encourage you as you're wrestling through these things, uh, it's a very good book to read about what does it look like for us to uh, engage with uh, the government and engage uh, on behalf of others so that Christ could be exalted as we consider what is our role in, in, in civics. Uh, and some of their ideas uh, are, are referenced or are celebrated uh, in the sermon that I'm preaching today. And so I, I have some quotes I'll give, uh, but there's a variety of people that I've been reading and, and uh, some of their philosophies uh, align with what I'm preaching today. Nehemiah. Nehemiah in chapter four, his, his home, uh, the temple, uh, the, the walls surrounding his community, the temples were devastated. Nehemiah is, has a prominent role with the king, but he hears about the state of his hometown and that the walls have been taken down and he's moved to action. He doesn't just pray. He says, no, I, I will go. And he is moved to action. Nehemiah uses his, his wisdom and his skills to engage with the government. He gets uh, the, the, the blessing of the king. But when he does so, he engages with some opposition from lower level political leaders. And if you look in chapter four, there's a guy named Sanballat that's just a political hater. But Nehemiah's goal is rebuilding the community. And so he engages government, he engages local people, and he uses this platform to unite people so that they can bring about change, rebuild their city. He saw his journey to rebuild his community for his people as an extension of God's work. This engagement was government with the government was all a part of his journey. Nehemiah responded to what God led him to do, and he allowed his influence to be used in the public square. 
I like what Gibney Ware and Butler said in, in Compassion and Conviction. They said uh, that both Nehemiah and Ezra, they used secular government and political mechanisms to do God's business. I like that. They used secular government and political mechanisms to do God's business. Here, here's another example. Our brother Paul. Paul, uh, an ambassador of the gospel, this apostle, he gets jailed. He gets beaten by the authorities in Philippi. But then he uses his influence by telling them, hold up, hold up. This is not how you treat a Roman citizen. And then instead of, of, of wanting to make things right, they say, oh, he's a Roman citizen. That means there's certain uh, uh, mandates by which we're supposed to treat him, certain demeanors, certain rules and regulations by which we're supposed to treat him. Instead of apologizing, why don't we just uh, go ahead and let him slide out the back? Let, let him go in secret. Let him just move on. We'll act like nothing happened. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You see, now I'm going to use my platform. Now I'm going to use my influence. And you guys are going to fess up for what you've done. You're going to walk me right out the front for the community to see we have done no wrong. And when he did that, it was a great encouragement to the church. The church became stronger because they saw this man of God standing up for the people of God in the face of the government that was against the church. Paul uses influence within the governmental structure for the sake of the church. So pastor, I'm not Nehemiah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I don't sit next to the king and sip, sip his wine. And I'm not Paul. I don't have this certain citizenship that just makes me super influential. But you do have influence. You can impact others by using your right to vote. Let's talk about how 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 influential voting is in our society, because it is one of the key elements for using your voice and having an impact on not only your own life, but on others. I know if I was in other countries, this would be a different sermon because not everyone has the track record that the U.S. has as it relates to voting. But but I am sharing with you the importance of being wise. Because every day you get a chance to make a choice. You get a chance to choose are the actions that I'm going to demonstrate be something that's loving and demonstrate my love for God and my love for neighbor? And I'm hoping and praying that that wisdom will flow through you where you would consider your vote being one of those tools that can answer the question. Yes, for both of those. Yes, God, I can serve you with how I vote. And yes, I can think of my neighbor with how I vote or even vote, choosing to vote. There's verses that that challenge us and I'm not going to go through them all, but but you've got seek the peace of the city in Jeremiah or you've got act justly in Micah and walk humbly. All these verses tell us that we are not to be sitting still dormant, just praying. And prayer is powerful. 
but that in addition to our prayer, we are a people that are to be on the move, acting as if in the way that we think God would. We just living out that old school bracelet that what would Jesus do? Do. What would he do? How would he act? So let me go through a brief a brief history of voting in, in, in our country, because I think when you see maybe some of the restrictions on voting, you might begin to realize maybe this was a tool of power because there seemed to be so many obstacles uh, against it. 1776, voting starts with the states and only white men that owned land and you had to be 21 years of age. Could not be an indentured servant and could not be a white man with no land. 1868, the 14th Amendment, U.S. Constitution grants full citizenship rights, including voting rights to all men born or naturalized in the U.S. 1870, you get the 15th Amendment that eliminates racial barriers to voting. However, many states continue practicing voter discrimination. They have poll taxes, literacy tests, uh, IDs, fraud, intimidation, and Native Americans still were denied the right to vote. In 1873, there's what's called the Colfax Massacre, which occurred when when white locals fought with blacks and against federal troops over black people voting in Grant Paris, Louisiana. 1912, citizens can now begin to propose initiatives that can be voted on, not just top down, but actually groundswell. You have actually grassroots people being able to present things. 1920, women can begin to vote nationally. 1924, Native Americans can now vote. 1964, the elimination of poll taxes and the and blacks can now vote nationally with very few obstacles. 71, the age is lowered to 18. And by 1975, we finally see a ban on all literacy tests and translation is required when voting takes place. Why this history? Why deny people the right to vote? Why make it so tough for a person to simply be able to check a box? Because each vote has influence. Each vote can make a difference because the more that people vote, the more people take into consideration their own personal needs and wants and the needs of others. God forbid, they may even begin being leaders that create policy. Do you see the power of voting? It is very, very, very important. Our, our, it, 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 is a, it is a representation of you. And this is one that's probably going 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 rub us the wrong way because it's still fresh. But but uh, most of the time in America, our elections are based on who gets most of the votes. Yes, we have this thing called the electoral college, and uh, and the electoral college can vote differently than the citizens. But of the 58 
59 elections we've had in our nation's history, we've only had five times where the Electoral College voted different than the people. Am I saying that we need to keep it? Nope. Or am I saying that we need to get rid of it? Nope. I'm just saying most of the time when people vote, their vote is, is what decides who will and will not win. And I know that just this last year, that was different in the Electoral College. But I but I also want us to see that throughout time, there has been power at the ballot. So while I don't think that our entire system is in itself corrupt, sometimes getting to the table to be able to vote can be a bit challenging. And, and we still are fighting through some different ways to be able to make sure that all people have the opportunity to vote. Why? Because it is a powerful tool of influence. I was, uh, I, I, I want to make sure I communicate why I believe this is wise. And, and, and it's one of those things that falls in the realm of, of, uh, like impact and missionality, you know, if, if you look at uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, it's a it's a verse that talks about uh, wisdom like this would just be in your best interest to do. Right. Like there there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Like like it just. It's just in your best interest to use your tongue to build people up and not cut people. Does it have a bearing on your salvation? Do you lose your salvation when you cut somebody? No. But is it just wise to 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 be a life giving person and and use your tongue to lift people up? Yes. And so what I am trying to to share with you is is that we have an opportunity to be influential in a way that can bring God glory and choosing to just abstain. I don't believe is in our best interest. And so. I, I look at scriptures like Romans chapter 13 which reminds us of, of God's role in all of this. Sometimes I, I, I get frustrated a little bit, you know, maybe you never get frustrated with God. I confess that I do sometimes because I, because I don't understand his plan and I want to work it out. So when I see verses like Romans 13, that says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist exist has been instituted by God. I I I I sometimes struggle because I say, Lord, how could this person be in this role or in this office or in this cabinet or in this position? But I believe that we have an opportunity to have an influence over that too, right? Like like we have an opportunity to to have an influence by voting or we have an opportunity to sometimes be silent 
it's a, it's a bit difficult to be frustrated with who's leading us and who's caring for both value sets, whether it is the Christian value set or the worldly value set. It's kind of tough to be critiquing if you didn't help have a say of who would be in office. And so I encourage you to vote. I encourage you because we have to act. That's why Isaiah chapter one, verse 17 says this. And this is this is key for Christians who believe God put leaders in place. It says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's case. Correct oppression. And so part of our role as believers is to hold our leaders accountable. If I believe that God put you there, then my expectation is that you are going to mirror godly character. If you don't love Jesus, you should still be honest. If you don't love Jesus, you should still be a woman of integrity. If you don't love Jesus, you should still be compassionate and be representative of all. And so what we do as Christians, when we vote, we vote and say, we affirm the way that you are leading, or we vote another way and say, your leading is bad and we no longer want it. Either way, our vote is a tool of accountability for the way that our country, our society, our city, our block club is being run. And your vote can be a tool of correcting oppression. You see, we're called to act. We're called to to love and love is 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 birthed out of an action, some form of of moving things forward. And you can do something about the oppression we see. We can vote. It's, it's a it's a form of checks and balances in our country. That's not the case in every country, but it's a form of checks and balances in our country. So I want to remind you of, of, of the imperative that Jesus gives. I want, to, I want to remind you of our motivation because our, our approach to accountability is different. Our approach to accountability is not one of, of scorning people. Our approach to accountability is not one of, of trying to um, uh, demean people's worth and value our approach even to accountability of our leaders is still love look with me in john 13. these two verses that we're going to go through john 13 and mark 12 it just reminds us of, of of a posture that's beyond just ourselves john 13 says a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so that is in-house, right? That is Christian to Christian, disciple to disciple. This is how we are loving one another. We are considering one another's needs, considering one another's uh, desires, showing difference to one another. 
and speaking up, being willing to correct oppression when we see it. But it but it doesn't stop there. The Christian role is not just about how we do life, how good life is for us. No, because we are a light unto the nations. And so look with me at Mark 12, starting at verse 29. It says, Jesus answered. The most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You see, the, the, the world is watching, too. Is our is our love just for one another within the camp? And we say we got God, we got each other. We good. Or does our love go out to the community, to the secular realm where they say, whoa, hold up. Look at them wanting to correct the oppression that we experience. They could simply be voting for their own purposes, for their own gain, for their own benefit. But they are considering my experience as well. What kind of God do they serve? We've seen this modeled. We've we've lived this out. This has been the, the case for Christians throughout history. Yes, we have some jacked up past. And yes, we've done missions wrong in a lot of ways, but we've done some amazing things through missions as well. We've we've started an entire concept of what the hospital industry is, not simply thinking of our own. It started by thinking of others. And so maybe your vote is not as you're not as excited because you're thinking, well, they don't seem to represent me and my interests. Well, maybe consider how they affect somebody else. Consider what it looks like for somebody else that might not have the family, the support, the stability. Maybe someone might just be drawn to Christ because of the way church folks vote. I, uh, I, 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 um, I've seen this lived out in my own life. I was talking with my mom and uh, I had a sermon sometime this summer. She was like, yeah, I see. I see you got some of your grandmama in you. And uh, my my mother, uh, when she was little in Pittsburgh uh, as a child, was leaving her school. And as she left the school, she ran across the street uh, going after one of her friends and she got hit by a car. And uh, thank the Lord, yet yeah, my mom's, you know, she, I don't know all of the damages, but uh, what took place next was my grandmother went to the school to try to talk to the school about its policies and procedures. Hey, like, you know, my, my baby just ran across the street and the school was not really responsive. And so my grandmother began to uh, come up there occasionally, make sure her kids cross the street fine. But she began to rally other moms uh, behind this issue of making sure kids were safe, that kids could 
cross the street that kids would not be harmed. And so over some time, she got enough people together. And before you knew it, uh, what we know now as a crossing guard back then didn't even exist. So my grandmother helped bring forth the crossing guard concept in her town and back in Pittsburgh. And, and that happened through like voting, through, through policy, through, through from deck, from that point on, from decades on, my grandmother was, was a part and used her influence within the public school system. Family that she, she wasn't just thinking of my mom. She was thinking of all the children, all the women, all the men who sent their kids to school every day and just wanted their kid to be able to come home safe. She thought this is something that could protect and ensure that this child gets to walk through the door again. You see, sometimes we consider things that, that may impact us, but sometimes it's about somebody else. And if we could consider the impact of something as small as a vote can have on others, family, it, it is, it is, it is a, 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 a missional expression of love. And so are you required to do it? Nope. Are you a bad Christian if you don't vote? Nope. Do I think it's a great way? Not the only way. And I'm, where's that sentence, Jenny? I tried to put in there. I want to make sure that uh, I'm saying it correctly. Um, voting is not the only way to pursue justice but a powerful means of pursuing justice. It's not the only way, but it's a powerful way. It is a wise way of using the influence that we all have. And it is given to us as a right, as a, as a citizen. Some of us may have more obstacles than others, but I pray that you will see those obstacles as, as reasons why we should be voting as reasons why we should be persevering, as reasons why we can demonstrate this missional posture to serve and care for others as well as our own community. Man, this God is, he's amazing. We got, we get glimpses into to, to, to Christian character as we read these stories in the Bible. We see Nehemiah, we see Ezra, we see Paul. We, we see Jesus caring for and loving people like, like he cared for the woman at the well. We see how Jesus interacts with people who, who are supposed to be his enemies. He shows them love and reveals an opportunity for new life. What about when he's, he's sitting on the cross and he looks to his right and there's a guy that's teasing him. And on his left, there's another guy who's, who's, repentant and re remorseful and Jesus offers him access into the kingdom before he takes his last breath. This is the thing, y'all. Whether you are like the woman at the well and you come from a, a, a culture that is so crazy and so outside of God, maybe you come from a background or a family upbringing that is so 
anti-God. That's what was supposed to be the Samaritan woman's experience at this well. Or maybe you're a person like the man that was on the cross who, who did some stuff in your past that was jacked up and you feel ashamed. Either way, Jesus is saying, I am here for you, arms open wide, ready to receive you if you would believe. If you will believe that I've that I've died for your sins. If you will believe that I I live to restore you and see you thriving. I do like the phrase living your best life because with Christ, we get to live our best life. But it starts by us acknowledging that he freed us from the sin of from the from the shame and from being shackled to sin. And then he gives us the opportunity to walk in victory. So now the question is, how are you walking? Are you walking in victory or are you walking in bondage? Are you walking in freedom or are you walking chained to sin? Our prayer here at Mac is that even as you've heard this message, a message that is talking about voting as a tool for being missional, for having a, a posture about God and others, for having your influence being uh, recognized in the marketplace as your value set is derived out of love and love alone. None of that matters if Jesus is not Lord. None of it matters if you haven't accepted Christ into your heart. And our goal today is that you would live missionally considering the the times that we're in with voting just around the corner, but that voting would be a small piece of the bigger vision of God's kingdom. Will you accept him today? If so, simply pray this prayer with me. Lord, I believe in you. I know that you have touched my life. Previously, I was a slave to sin. Your death makes me free in you. I trust you with my life. I don't know what that looks like, but I will trust you. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. If you if you've prayed a prayer like that today, where you've surrendered your life to Jesus, even though you may not know what that looks like next, if you've prayed that prayer today. Today is the first day of new life in Christ for you. And we at Mac are happy to celebrate with you. For those of you that have been walking with Christ, you know, acting justly is not an option. Caring for the oppressed is not an option. Considering others is not an option. What way you choose to do it is. I think it's wise to use voting. But there are other ways that you can use your influence for the sake of yourself and for the sake of others. And I want to challenge you, celebrate you and walk with you in that. If 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 you have some ideas for ways that this church could be doing that, I'd love to discuss that with you. Because we know that there's not just one way. But we would love for you to consider voting as a major way to express that missional posture. I thank you, Macav. Let us pray.
Lord, we are uh, we are at a time where uh, um, you're on the move. Sometimes it's tough to see it because we are uh, in the midst of hurt. We've had uh, words thrown at us from certain groups that hurt. Sometimes we're in the midst of shame because we know we at times have been the ones throwing hurt at other people. We've allowed our words not to be redemptive, not to lift people up, but to cut and slice. And God, we just want to be your people. Help us, Lord. You've given us value. And so allow us to be influential for your kingdom. Use our voting to to bring you glory. I never mentioned a party because I don't think one party brings you glory alone. The only party I think that brings you glory is your church. And so, God, use your church in whatever way you see fit. But let us act in love. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.